0: What happens when two parent coaches, one a Christian, and the other an agnostic Jew, sit down to talk about parenting?
1: They take their listeners from surviving to thriving. I'm Dina Thayer, and I'm Kira Dorian.
0: Welcome to Raising Adults, a
1: podcast brought to you by Future Focused Parenting.
0: Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Raising Adults. This is a pretty special one today. Dina, I'm here with you. Kira's here. But also, we have a parent with us today, a future-focused parent. And what's really fun about today's episode is you're going to get to hear what parent coaching looks like and what it sounds like and the kind of things we talk about with families who reach out to us to talk through a specific parenting issue. So you're going to get to hear from Katie today. Thank you, Katie, for being with us, by the way. We appreciate you.
2: Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here, guys.
0: Awesome. Well, we're going to get to that in just a moment. But first, Kira is going to share with you something new that we have out that we really hope will be helpful to a lot of families, especially during this kind of uncertain season we find ourselves in.
1: Yeah, so we kind of talked about it on a couple episodes ago. This was before all the crazy happened. And we said, oh, we're very excited. We have an anxiety course, an online course to help parents who are navigating kids with anxiety. Um, and then everything went upside down. So we're a little <laughs> later than we thought we were going to be. But hey, we still recorded it, which is pretty cool. Um, so that is available now. If you go to our website, futurefocusedparenting.com, click on the online courses tab. It was one of the options on there. And it's pretty awesome. It's It talks all about you know, understanding how anxiety works in your kiddos so that you can be more empathetic and compassionate. It talks about how how to identify anxiety. We talk about tools and tips for how do you give your kids what they need, the skills they need to be able to navigate it well so that eventually you don't have to help them. They can actually do it themselves. Um, And we talk about how to ask great questions and the biggest mistakes that parents make when it comes to anxiety. It's a really robust course. Um, That I'm sure is going to be really helpful for families who are in a place to watch it. But we appreciate that not all of you are. So it's okay. We just want to say like, if that sounds good, but not right now, we totally get it. And for some of you, that might sound really good right now. So we just wanted to make it available in a pretty low key way. So if you're interested, go to the website, click on online courses, and it's right there and available for you. I
0: I love that you said that, Kira, because it's so true. I feel like some people are going to be like, I need that so much right now. I'm maybe exhibiting anxiety myself or feel like maybe I'm seeing it in my children and I'd love some help to navigate that. And for other people, they're probably like, I think that would cause me more anxiety right, right now. So, <laughs> like, so Absolutely not. <laughs> yeah, right. So no pressure, but we're just glad to be able to offer it because it's, it is an important thing. I think even outside of the current climate, it, it's just an important, important issue. Anxiety, it's so prevalent and it's important as parents to know kind of what we're looking for and how to tackle it.
1: Yeah, totally agree.
0: Okay, so we're going to dive in and talk with Katie a little bit about a particular parenting issue. But first, Katie, maybe you can just introduce yourself a little bit. Tell us the ages of your kiddos and a little bit about yourself, and then we'll chat.
2: Sounds great. Um, Hi, Kira and Dina. I am mom to two wonderful boys. They are five and seven years old now, and so I have a first grader and a pre-K, and um, both my husband and I work full-time, so they're in school, and then they have a nanny in the afternoon, And I would say one of my kids leans a little bit more to the anxious side and the other one doesn't, um, but they do have something that's been coming up um, between both of them in common and I'm really excited to talk to you about it today.
1: Awesome. All right. Well, hit us, Katie. What's what's going on? How can we help you today? (laughs) All right.
2: So my issue relates to crying about little things and I will out myself that I'm not great with crying in general, though I've been learning a lot about emotional intelligence from you all with the nurturing and name nurture and- normalize. Um, so I think I'm doing pretty well and I can remember all three N's. But I well am done. struggling <laughs> yahoo, um, when it just doesn't seem like it's even worth any of that um, and how to handle that. So to give an example or two, one is where they don't get their way. Um, just the other day, one of my, my kids couldn't decide who went first. And so um, my husband did one of those like you know, I'm going to pick the one who has the purplest, you know, and just like made up a really long sentence or whatever. And, and then the kid was like, well, I'm bad at that one. And we're like, you can't be good at it. It's random, you know, and he cried for like an hour about being bad at a random choosing method. Um, We also have issues where, you know, they cry when it's not what they expect, which I think, let's set aside all the big, not what they expect, because that's what our world is right now. And Joe for the tiny, not what they expected. Like they thought it was going to be a different flavor of strawberry ice cream and it didn't meet their expectations, something trivial. Um, Or sometimes it's crying about maybe a legitimate thing, but like three days later, like three days later, you know, or ago, someone said something that bothered me. And now they're like having this meltdown in the middle of, I don't know about it. Um, so I'm having a hard time figuring out how to deal with crying in those situations um, where it doesn't seem like their reaction is necessarily consistent with how strongly they feel about it, um, and I'm not sure how to take that.
0: Yeah, so Katie, I I just want to make sure I'm first of all understanding what, what you're describing, and I have a follow-up question for you. So it sounds like sometimes this crying and this reaction is disproportionate, maybe not only to the situation, but even to your perception of how that child actually feels about it. Is that right?
2: Correct. Yeah. Okay.
0: Okay. And so then my follow-up question, because this will help Kira and I, even as we share, I mean, I have some thoughts already and I'm sure she does too, but we want to make sure we're sharing things that aren't redundant. So I'm also curious what things you have done or tried so far. What are the, what are the things you've done when this happens that you're going, okay, I can tell that that isn't really effective or what, what have you found that you've tried and maybe said, "Mm, I'm not loving that?
2: Well, I'll be honest that probably most of the things I've tried have not uh, worked and have not really been good ones that you would suggest to begin with. I think my natural reaction is to say, well, that's a lot. Um, and I do find myself saying that to them. <laughs> like, that's a lot for what's going on here. Guys. Like, can we <laughs> dial it back? You know, and, and I am pretty sure that's definitely the wrong thing to say. But I, I think what my goal is to try to say, like, it doesn't seem like that big of a deal. Can we let it go? Or, you know, I am a logic and debate person. So I'll try to logic them out of it. Like, well, you can't be good at the game. And therefore, you just have to let it go. You know, like, and then I I, I probably switched to a threatening, like, if you can't handle the fact that sometimes you're not going to get your way, then maybe we won't get to do good things. Um, This is sounding like I'm a worse parent than I am. But I think you know, the the longer they cry and freak out, I just get really frustrated. And when it's going for an hour, it's really hard to have productive things to say at that
0: point. Mm-hmm. That that mm-hmm. is a long time, and I think it's normal probably to escalate as a parent. And I don't think you sound horrible. In fact, I was gonna say thank you because I feel like your candor will be more helpful to the listeners too. If you were just sugarcoating what you've done, it wouldn't be helpful. So thanks for being honest about like, here's what's happening for me, and here's what I'm doing.
1: Yeah, because I'm sure a million listeners are in the same boat (laughs) and have maybe tried the same things. And so it's important that people, that it's normalized that one of those ends is happening for the listeners as well.
2: Thank you for nurturing Mm -hmm. me (laughs) and (laughs) normalizing.
1: That was impressive. You knew all three ends, Katie. I know, I know. Well, uh, Dina, you said you had thoughts. So do you want to start? I have some too, but
0: I'm happy for you to start. Sure. Well, I have kind of a twofold thing one is around the emotional intelligence piece so I I hope I don't end up stealing your thunder Kira and you can piggyback for sure but maybe we'll just start with this one and one is I heard a couple of times you just sharing about how it it just seems like wow even even saying like it's it's a lot for what's going on this seems like they're taking it like such a big deal. And a few times you said, but it's not a big deal. And I think one helpful thing I have to sometimes even remind myself as a parent, so totally preaching to the choir here, is that what is a big deal is subjective. And that it can be really helpful to kind of remember that I might not think it's a big deal, but actually to them, it really might be. And to just make some room for that. Does that make sense? Kira. Kira, am I making sense to you too?
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think it's the the whole separating feelings and behavior thing. So, mm. you know, it, it the idea being they're entitled for it to be as big as they want it to be. They can have it. The tiniest thing is allowed to be enormous to them. How they express it and how yes. that impacts your family, that's a completely different story. And so it's, I think for you, going to be about pulling apart Making sure that the wording that you're using is more about how they're expressing themselves versus how they're feeling. They're allowed to feel however they want. It can be as big as they want. But it's kind of like if you think about like snakes, some people love snakes and some people see a snake and they are like a 100 yards out the door, you know, and (laughs) it's the same idea. We would never say to someone who's afraid of snakes like, oh, well, that's silly. Don't be afraid of snakes. They're afraid of them. But Mm. how we then move through the world based on what's a big deal to us and what's not a big deal to us and how we impact other people is really important.
0: Right. Because I think, Katie, where this is such a fair thing to want to tackle is obviously in just a few short years, this kind of behavior really won't work well, even for your child. Right. I mean, right. that's that's not going to work. So it is, I think, in the category of very change worthy Behavior, but leaving first just reminding ourselves like how big of a deal it is is so individual. It's great. It's just a great jumping off point. So I just wanted to at least make that point.
2: I I, yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. I guess can I ask a follow up question to that? Of course, of course. So I agree that I mean we've talked a little bit about like you know you can be disappointed. You could go cry in your room if you'd like. If you're going to continue to cry, you need to do it someplace else. And he'll literally just cry in this room forever. That's not a solution to anyone's problem. Um, But I'm. I'm feeling like there's a role as a parent too in sort of in teaching them that like things aren't going to go your way, right? Like and maybe mm-hmm. I'm 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 conflicting an overall life lesson with a crisis management in a situation, but I want them to know that like you're going to lose games and you're going to not get to go first and life will be unfair mm-hmm. and that it's not even worth really getting upset about that. Like you'll need to accept that as reality, right? Do you know what I'm saying?
1: Absolutely, and I think I think what you just said is the key. So we want to we want to teach them again. It comes back to that: like your feelings are okay. I don't like to lose games either. I really don't like to lose games. But (laughs) true. But (laughs) what I I (laughs) but what I do with those feelings is really what defines the situation for the people I'm with. So I think teaching the life lesson of, yes, you're going to be disappointed, but we don't want to then tell them not to be disappointed. They're allowed to be disappointed. And it's the acceptance piece. And I say to the kids a lot, um, the, the point of feeling your feelings is actually to move through them. So if you've got a kiddo who's in the room crying for an hour, they're not moving through. And that's the lesson I think you want to be teaching is life sometimes hands you stuff that's not fair or feels gross or, you know, makes you upset. Totally normal. That's the normalizing for them. You know what? It does stink to lose the random game that dad picked. That stinks. But how you move through that is going to actually define how you feel about your life. Like, that's a huge life lesson. And I think that's probably what you're saying that you're trying to teach them is like, don't, you don't want them to move through life constantly miserable because they lost a game. So I think it's about not encouraging them to stop feeling that way, but how, what are the tools they need to move through the feeling to get back to a sense of contentment so that they can keep going? Does that make sense?
2: Yes, and to steal your ism, um, I love that. That makes perfect sense.
0: Your ism, I love that. And then then that's, (laughs) that's great too, because then we can say, okay, crying is one, it's one, it's one of the tools in that toolbox. Certainly for feeling a feeling and dealing with it. But Kira's so right. If you're if you're still there for an hour or days later or whatever it is, then you're actually moving into kind of wallowing. We're hanging out there. We're getting stuck. And we want to help our kids get unstuck.
1: Yeah. And I think that then Then it's about making sure they have other tools and helping them start to figure out. And I do this. I actually have I have a crier as well. Um, And sometimes I'm like, there are so many other tools in the box. Why do you like this one so much? But I think it's really about making sure they're aware of all the tools in the box so that when situations come up. So I love the example you gave of, like, dad picked the super random way to win the game, you know, and now you win and you get to go first. And the other one is like, what? That you can actually help them. Like, I can see that you've picked your crying tool. I'm wondering if there's another tool that might be more appropriate to the size of the problem. So we talk a lot about, and you kind of hinted at this, Katie, which is great, you know, the size of the reaction Mm most times needs to match the size of the problem. Now, not always, because sometimes even as adults, we do this, right? We like lose our minds over something small and we're like, actually, I guess I was upset about this thing back here. Um, But for the most part, we want to try and match those two. So if you're seeing a huge reaction to a seemingly small problem, you can encourage your kiddo to to think about, you know, I can see that you've picked the crying tool to express yourself. I'm wondering if there's a different way that might feel more effective to get that yucky feeling out of your body. Let's try 10 jumping jacks and see if that helps. Um, let's try the five senses game where, you know, we pick three things we can see and two things we can hear and see if that helps. So kind of teaching them to try and figure out what other ways work possibly even more efficiently and effectively because an hour of crying clearly isn't actually working for your kiddo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so actually giving them tools that are more more efficient and effective might actually make them feel better.
2: Yeah, I love that. I think the idea that I'm I'm trying to solve the crying problem. And I, what I'm hearing from you guys is that the problem is that they're disappointed and they need to figure out how to move past that. and And so it's helping them figure out what is an effective way to move past it. Like, we accept that we're here. We accept that you're bummed out. Um, how can I help you get to a better place? Because I guarantee you won't be happy if you spend an hour crying. That won't solve your problem. Um, So that makes a lot of sense to sort of, in my mind, I need to redefine that crying isn't the problem. Them being disappointed and not knowing how to get past it is the problem. And I can help them do that.
0: Yeah, that's so well put, Katie, because you are, you're their helper. I think we had a, a quote on our Instagram a couple weeks ago that was something like, we've got to work at, you know, stop telling people to get over it. Instead, say, how can I help you through it? This is essentially that. It's not the, like, stop crying and move on, but, like, how can I help you? And and Kira gave a couple options there. Like, there's probably some really effective tools that you know, he may even like better eventually once he's tried them out. And just another by way of just a practical thing you could try, especially as you're working your way toward these other tools that we used with my more sensitive one was I said, it's absolutely fine. If you want to basically do a coping technique buffet, I'm okay. If you pick several, and it is okay. If you pick crying first, because sometimes they would just still kind of Default to that, I guess, for lack of a better word. And, but then we would say, okay, I'm going to give you 10 minutes to use your crying technique, and then I'm going to check in with you and we're going to try something else. So that crying was still allowed while we were working on learning these other things, but it wasn't just going to go on indefinitely. And that also helped my sanity to know that, like, I'm only going to hear this wailing (laughs) for a little while. I, I had to put a little bit of scaffolding around it to just cope. But, but it also was really great for my kiddo because they still got to pick their favorite one for a little bit. And especially while we were learning the other ones, they still kind of wanted to gravitate toward crying and it kind of let them do that first. And eventually they weren't picking crying at first or even at all. So it was like a great, it was more of a slow transition instead of this abrupt, uh, you know, I'm pulling, I'm pulling the crying out from under you. And I'm not saying you would do that anyway, but just a thought, cause that was really helpful for us to put kind of a framework around the crying. Like you can still totally pick that. And then I'm going to check in with you with a little, in a little bit, and we're going to do one of our other tools, you know.
1: Yeah, and I think also, like, thinking about it, like, um, we want to make sure that w- that crying isn't the only tool, which is basically what we're saying, but also making it clear, and I love, Dina, that you did this, that crying is a perfectly acceptable tool because we don't want it to become don't cry, yes. right? So we want to make sure that we're saying, you know, sometimes crying is exactly the right tool. So the other thing I will do sometimes is when my more sensitive uh, kiddo, or not more sensitive, but more prone to crying kiddo um, cries at a time that it's like, of course you're crying. I will often say, you know what, this is one of those times where this reaction makes perfect sense, or this is exactly the right time to be letting those feelings out in this way. I'm so glad you're crying. I'm so glad you're letting it out. So also kind of sending the message of where are the spots where, you know, crying really is the right choice and we don't want to teach them to be afraid to cry. So making sure we're it really praising and acknowledging when they're letting their feelings go in in an appropriate way. And so sometimes that is crying and sometimes it's some other, some other version. So true.
2: That makes so much sense to me because I think I actually maybe do the validating the good crying plenty, but I think it's really at odds with when I'm frustrated with the other crying. And I think shifting to the toolbox will help make that make more sense for him as well. Because probably right now it's like, why does mom say it's okay to cry about never going to school again, you know, but I can't cry about this other thing, you know, so I think that will be key for him understanding it. Um, Can I ask about how, you know, how do I set up this toolbox? How do I open it and show them what's inside? Because I'm (laughs) fairly certain it's not while he's crying. It's some other time, but they're five and seven, and they don't really want to talk about their feelings. Anytime I try to explain anything to my five-year-old, he loses his focus and interest immediately. So what is a good way, a practical way for me to roll this out so they're not surprised when um, I want to give it a try?
1: I have a thought. But Dina, do you have one, too? I don't want to. Yeah, but go ahead. I, I love tangible, tactile things, especially if you have a kiddo who is that way. So you could even like do a fun art project where you guys make a box and they get to write on different cards the different tools that they can use when they're feeling big feelings. And it could be like the big feelings box. So it's not just when they're sad. It's also when they're mad, when they're frustrated. Um And then all the little cards are in there. It could be little figurines that have like a word on it or whatever. So that, you know, when the big feeling comes, you can say like, wow, I can see that you're feeling a big feeling. This seems like a big reaction to a smaller problem. I'm wondering if you want to go over to your big feelings box and see what else is in there to choose from and let them like literally rifle through it because that in and of itself could help start to calm him down, right? Now my brain is distracted and I'm looking through my tools. Um, So that was sort of what came to my mind. How about you, Dina? Yeah.
0: And and I'm I'm so funny because this is not super far off from that, but there's actually games. You can literally look online and type in like feelings games or memory game or uh, there's even feelings tiles that are almost like dominoes. And so the honestly, the way we first introduced it w- was playing a game. So one of them, and I am so sorry that I can't remember the exact name of this game, is you match a feeling with a scenario, like seeing a spider, and then you're going to find the scared card. And it's almost like concentration. But what we did with that is then we talked about what are other things you could do when you're scared? Because these cards would have ideas, like I can do five jumping jacks, I could take a deep breath, things like that. And we would we would talk about what are the other things you could do. And we literally made a list. And then we have all these options available to us. But the first way we talked about it wasn't like, let's sit down and have a chat about how to handle our (laughs) feelings. It was hey, we're already playing this game that's in our game closet. But now let's brainstorm. And plus, then it's A lot of the things were their idea. And I have found personally as a parent, I have so much more buy-in from my kids when it was their idea. I'm like doing air quotes right now. <laughs> but but really, when when they're like, oh, I thought of that way to handle it, they love it because it's something they came up with and not something I just handed them. Like, instead of crying, you will do A, B, and C. In certain times, you could also choose D. <laughs> you know, it's really, it's really this collaborative effort of coming up with this list. So similar to Kira, because that was tactile, we were playing with these cards. And but it also made it kind of fun and didn't feel like a big sit down. I, I don't know what I'm trying to say here, but like it didn't have to be an act of Congress. It was just, oh, while we're playing, let's also talk about other things we could do. And you know what? Let's let's make a list of those. So then they're available to us when something comes up. Because you're right, Katie. I mean, what a great... Gut instinct you have there that in the moment probably is not an ideal time to talk through. Here's some other ideas
1: (laughs) besides crying. Well, and the thing with the list, like, and I will be, I will out myself. And again, I have older. So, you know, at eight and a half, on my laziest days when I have nothing to give, it's just, you know what, sweet pea, I think you should go check your list. And that's all I have to do. So don't be afraid to hang up a list if he's reading already, or you could put pictures up there that's like, dude, I love you. I think maybe we're having a bigger reaction than the size of the problem. I need you to go check your list and see if you can pick something different. And that's okay. You know, we all have those days where we, we just need to refer them to the list.
0: (laughs) I will delegate to my list. (laughs) Yes.
2: All right. So Kira, let's say I'm having one of those days and I say, go check your list and it doesn't work. He's not interested or he checks it and decides crying for another hour is the right thing to do. Um, what's my job as a good parent? Do I switch into comforting mode and go hold him till he's fine? Um, or is it okay to just let that play out? What is the right sort of emotionally nurturing next step there?
1: I love that question. I think it sort of depends on the situation. So, and I mean, you would get a different answer from perhaps a less um, strict parent than myself. <laughs> um, but I, what I would say is it depends. If it really was a small thing, and a huge reaction. And he's just choosing to wallow at that point. And you have done your due diligence as a parent and said, you know, let's try this or let's check your list or blah, blah, blah. And you've really kind of shown him, I am trying to impart skills to you and I'm trying to be helpful. Then at that point, he's really just choosing that. And I think it's fine to say, you know what, it looks to me like you don't want to. To feel better right now, so I'd like you to go to your room and calm yourself down. And then, if you'd like to try again later, we can. Um, but if if it really is a huge problem, and it sounds like you already do this, but like if there really is some kind of giant issue that he's really feeling about, and you can't get him to calm down, then yeah, I think you need to step in and be nurturing. Um, but a, a lot of it is kind of knowing your kid and, and knowing like, are they just doing this to try and get you to to help them? you know, wallow and to acknowledge how deeply unfair it was that brother won this super random game and you've kind of verbally done it and shown them and you've you've done your due diligence, then at that point, I think it's okay to kind of say, you know what? Looks to me like you don't really want my help and that's okay. but I need to get back to my work now Um, or I need to get back to making dinner and our family needs to move forward. So if you're not going to move
0: forward with us, then I'd prefer you go to your room and calm down. Mm, this reminds me of remember when I <laughs> Kira, you might remember this. I would have my my children go in their room until they could find their happy heart again. Yes, yes, I love that. Yep.
2: Yeah, and and I have tried that with them. I've said things like, if you're if you if you're choosing to cry, then go in there. But I like switching that around to if you want my help, you know, if, if you want my advice on how we can move forward, I'm here. But it doesn't sound like you want it. And and I, I think that would work better for him because it won't wouldn't feel as much like I'm abandoning him and it might allow him a way to come back out, even if he can't find his happy heart on his own, which I'm not sure he's fully capable of doing that yet. So I love that idea.
1: I love the happy heart concept so much. You know, the idea that like we're trying to move forward as a happy family, we're trying to move forward in our day. But it's also okay that maybe you need a minute to get there. Yeah. Um, and and that's all right. But if I have tried to help you get there and I've tried to give you the tools that we together, you know, especially if you've done that awesome game that Dina suggested, like we came up with this together, dude. Like (laughs) this is what we were going to try. And at a certain point, you're just not in a place to actually get that help that's okay but now i need to move forward and the point is that it's not your go to that it's not just like oh he's crying again go find your happy heart which i know is not what you you would ever do but it it's that you've really shown up and you've really showed him that you want to help that you're there are other tools available there's all these things we can do and then at a certain point he has to choose to pick that tool up you actually can't make him right mm-hmm. And that's an important life lesson, too, that, like, mom's not going to do it for you. I can help you do it, but I can't do it for you. So you got to figure out how to do it yourself.
0: Yeah. And what an important lifelong lesson, too, about accepting help, because there's going to be a lifetime also of people offering help and willing to lean in and engage with you. But if you keep pushing that away, eventually that offer of help will cease or it will be like, you know what, I, I've been there, I've leaned in, and now I, I need to move on. And this is this is a microcosmic example in a family unit of that exact thing. So it's actually doing him such a favor to learn all of these things. And while we were chatting, I did look up those games. So I want to make sure I share. there's There's two that are really good one is called the my feelings game and it's an actual like proper board game and there's cards with things like what makes me scared and there's a couple examples on the card like seeing a spider or standing alone you know out outside or when i have to go to the dentist but then there's also room on the card that says give my own answer so that you can talk about what makes you scared what makes you angry that kind of thing and then there's also cards for when i feel angry and those ones on the back have the ideas like i take five deep breaths or i try to solve the problem so that's a really great one and then there's another one called friends and neighbors the helping game and that is where you encounter scenarios like There's a little girl standing alone at the bus stop. You know, maybe she's you're you're figuring out what is she feeling? Maybe she feels lonely. Maybe she feels this or um, a boy just encountered a bigger boy who was kind of a bully. He might feel scared. He might feel angry. And then there's a drawstring bag and you can pull these tiles out of the bag and see if they match the situation and how you could help them. So that's why it's called, you know, the subtitle is the helping game. So you're trying to kind of match a solution with a scenario and get them to think about what would be a a problem-solving for that kind of feeling or situation. So I like both of those. Plus, if you have kids who like the hands-on, you know, interacting with cards and stuff can be really good. So I just wanted to at least share those for families for whom that might be helpful. And I am so grateful to you, Katie, because your not only your candid answers to our questions, but all your follow-up questions I think are going to end up being helpful to a lot of parents in this same situation. I don't, I don't think this scenario is entirely uncommon. Well,
2: thank you, guys. I really appreciate all the feedback. I'm excited to um, have plenty of time to practice while we're all at home together for the next, you know, umpteen (laughs) months. So thank you, guys.
1: Right. Oh, my goodness. Well, thanks for being with us. Thank you. Well, listeners, I hope it was helpful to hear us talk with Katie. As Dina said, I think that so many of you are probably dealing with a similar situation. And it is such a fine balance of, you know, we it, we are in a society of recognizing it's so important that people cry and it's so important that people feel their feelings. And Dina and I are huge advocates of that, but also like At a certain point, (laughs) Mm -hmm. how do we move through those feelings? And so finding that balance as a parent can be really hard. So if you are interested in some parent coaching with either Dina or myself, do write to us, info at futurefocusedparenting.com. Or if you go to our website, futurefocusedparenting.com, there is a tab up there that says work with us. And under that tab is parent coaching. And you can learn more about what's involved and our packages and how much it costs and all that good stuff. But we would love an opportunity to work with you. And if you have not yet followed us on Instagram or Facebook, our handle is at Future Focused Parenting. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast if you haven't already. We love our subscribers. And if you write us a nice review, we'll pop it up there on social media. So thanks so much, everyone, for being our loyal listeners, our subscribers and our reviewers. And we're just we're just so grateful for all of you.
0: Yeah. Thank you so much for continuing to tune in and listen. And we just hope it's helpful to you. And we also are thankful to Katie because she's she's kind of the first, game. Pig on doing a live coaching call like this. But we're, we're grateful to get to bring you that because you as our listeners maybe have heard us talk about parent coaching, but didn't have a sense of what that really looks like and how that kind of Q&A goes and how parents can kind of arrive at some creative solutions to the issues they're facing. So we're glad to be able to bring you that. And we plan to bring you more so you can be listening for that. We'll have other guest parents on who share some of what they're going through and you'll get to hear us talk through that but definitely reach out to us if you have an issue that is a struggle in your home or something where you just maybe could use some extra advice or input we would love to help you out thanks so much for being with us and we look forward to bringing you more next week raising adults is produced by kira dorian and dina thayer and still recorded separately in the laundry room and the bonus room music by seattle band hannah lee